died so that I could live. And I think sometimes we get into Resurrection Sunday and we get to talking about the cross and we forget what the cross was for. The cross was not just so that we could have uh, a right relationship with God or get into a, a, to pay for our debt and so that we could be saved. It was there so that we could live. He saves us to live, to live out his life in us. And so we're going to start a series here called Beyond the Cross. And I think sometimes we get stuck in Resurrection Sunday and we just talk about the cross and we talk about Jesus came back from the dead like that is all that there was to it. And that was not all there was to it. Uh, there was, it, was, it was more. In fact, the, the main reason that Jesus came was so that his Holy Spirit could dwell in us. He did all these things for a reason, so that we could live out and be the church. And so this morning we're going to be in Acts chapter 1. If you would, I'd like for you to stand this morning in honor of God's word. And we're going to talk about what is life beyond the cross. What does life look like beyond the cross? And so let's read this together and then we're going to go to the word. Let's read this aloud. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that came from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate in your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. We're going to read the first five verses here of Acts chapter chapter 1. And uh, this is how it goes. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And so this is... We've got the first four Gospels that talk about Jesus. And that's the very first part of the New Testament. And then we have the whole rest of the New Testament that talks about beyond the cross, that talks about the church. And we are the continuation of that story. We're just not writing it down. But the rest of the New Testament is beyond the cross. And so that's what we're getting to. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, and after giving instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. And this is what we're going to talk about this morning. Do not lead Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that we would live beyond the cross, that we would not just try to get saved because that's not what you want us, Father, just to be saved. You want us to be saved so that we can live for you, so that we can show others who you are. And Father, today I pray that we as a church would be about the things that the first church was about and that we would see the things in revival that the first church saw. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us as a church to wait upon God. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We talk about uh, 
the cross and the resurrection and, and Jesus died to save us, yes, but a lot of people think that all they need is to be saved and that that's all that God has for it. There's just this one moment experience that I have where I'm saved and then all of a sudden that's all there was to it and, and I'm done for life and that's all that God has for me. And the truth is that is the entry point into what God has for you. That's the point where you get into what he has, but then he wants to infill you with his Holy Spirit so that you can live for him, so that you can live and minister to people and draw other people unto him. He seeks to live out his life in you. And it's kind of a big deal to, uh, it, it is a big deal to beat death, but what is the use of resurrection if that life is not lived on? If the only thing Jesus did was be resurrected and then that was it, what use would that be? If his resurrected life in us is just for a moment, then what use is that? It is not for just a moment. It is to be lived out daily on and on and on. And it is to be lived out so that others can know who Jesus is. And Jesus had more in mind than just paying our fine for sin. Our relationship with him was broken and now through Jesus it's made right again and we live in that relationship with him but he wants that to be seen all over the world and in, and in us. And the reason for the cross was Jesus sought for a relationship beyond the cross. And the whole second half of the New Testament is about this story. And the beginning of this story, the beginning of the resurrection story, the beginning of the cross story starts here in Acts. And we started talking about this on Wednesday night. And it got so interesting to me, even while I was given the lesson on, on Wednesday night, that I decided to do a little bit more study. So if you were here on Wednesday night, we're going to kind of go over some of the things we talked about, but it's, it's a little bit more in depth. But we hear lots of sermons about what Jesus said here. And he said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift the Father has promised. And then he goes on to say later on that he says that you're to be witnesses and that you're going to receive power. If you go on down to verse 8, it talks about this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And lots of times that's the place where we go to. That's the place where we say, this is what God's called us to do. We're called to be witnesses. We're called to be witnesses at, in our homes. We're called to be witnesses in our communities. And we're called to be witnesses around the world. And we hear lots and lots of sermons about that. But I've got to be honest with you. I had never heard and God had never spoken to me like he did as in, this, in this chapter, in this verse 4 here, where it talked about waiting. And, 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 and what God wanted to do. And so Jesus said that the Holy Spirit was going to empower them to do these things. If you go to John chapter 16, verse 7, it says, it is good that I am going away. Jesus says, it's good that this is happening. I'm going to leave and you're going to have something better than me. Now, I don't know about you, but think about this. Jesus, having Jesus around was pretty sweet. I mean, there was people walking on water. There was blind people being healed. He was like a food factory. I mean, he was, it was great having Jesus around. And Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, it's good that I'm leaving because something better than me is coming. Something better than Jesus. Do you understand that church? 
Do we get that in our minds? I think we think, boy, it'd be great if Jesus was still around. He is. His spirit seeks to dwell within us. The same spirit that healed blind people, that made the lame to walk, that was throwing food like a McDonald's on whatever. Anyway, it was just, he was just awesome. And he says, there's something better than that coming. And that was the goal for the whole thing was to have this in us. And he says, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the comforter is coming. And Jesus is saying that the gift of the Holy Spirit is even better than having me around. And the whole reason that Jesus came was to save us, to cleanse us, to where the Holy Spirit could dwell in us so that we could minister to a world that is lost. Not just to save us, but to fill us and set us aside to be used by him. The resurrection was great, but God's goal was to get his spirit inside of his people so that they could be used And the event that happened on Pentecost Sunday, the goal of all of the life, death, and resurrection was to get to Pentecost so that the Holy Spirit could dwell in people and be used by him. And it was the, I think, that the beginning of the church, I mean, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We celebrate uh, the death and resurrection. And those are two big days in the church here. But I think that Pentecost is... In, in my opinion, is the greatest thing that ever happened to the world because that's when the Holy Spirit comes inside of people. And the thing that happened, right, but the thing that God told his people to do right before, I believe, what the greatest event in all of history is, what did he tell his people to do? Wait. He told them to wait. Now, we don't like to wait. Don't you hate to wait? I hate to wait. I don't like to wait. I don't like to wait at red lights. Have you ever noticed this, this dumb light out here, you come up there, and if you don't hit your brake pretty hard and shake that thing, you'll sit there till doomsday. That light over there by the, by the Dollar General, how many people have had to go through it red because it will not change? Am I the only one? I've been over there in the middle of the night the middle of the night, there's nobody out there but me. Pull up there, it never changes. I'm just waiting. I, I hate to wait. I hate to wait. We wait all the time. Don't you hate going up Northview Hill and you get behind a truck and then another truck tries to pass it? It knows good and well it ain't going to pass it. And you're just buzzing up through there at 35. You're just waiting, waiting. Y'all know my stories at McDonald's. Good night. Every time I get there, there is someone who cannot operate a drive-thru. The other day, I'm sitting at McDonald's. This happened to my wife this year, too. I'm sitting at McDonald's. I get in line. Whatever line I get into automatically just stops. I get in there. This line goes. All these cars go, and this line is empty. The person in front of me puts it in reverse, backs into my truck to try to get out of the line that I'm in because they know that it's not going to move because I'm in there. That's what happens. And when we wait, I got into a line Wednesday at Silver Dollar City that was just, I mean, people were flying through. As soon as I stepped into it, the lady that's running the line goes, oh, I got to go check something. 
She didn't have no chance. I don't know what she was doing. I mean, that line just went. And all the lines, and Cindy's like, well, we got to get out of this line. As soon as it stopped, all the other lines were just backing up. I said, we can't leave. I said, what are you going to do? People were cutting in front of people and making people. I said, I ain't going to be that guy. I hate to wait. And we, and we do this all the time. There's always this waiting. And, and it has become sometimes in some parts of our life, it's normal. And we just expect it. And we go with it. And we think that this is part of the way that it has to be. You ever go to the, to the DMV? I mean, you're going to wait there. I mean, you know you're going to wait, the, wait there. The post office, help us. <laughs> I went to the post office the other day. There's nobody in there but me. And I still had to wait. For some, I don't know. I think somebody was standing behind there going... I'm just going to see how long he'll wait. I mean, I'm serious. And we wait at these places. When you go someplace to eat, they give you a buzzer because you're going to wait. And we just act like, oh, yeah, that's, that's fine. You go into Cheddar's, where's my buzzer? You're going to have to wait, and that's normal. We don't, care. we don't care about kind of stuff like that. Does anybody care to wait in line at Andy's? Not me. I don't care at all. I don't want to wait at McDonald's, but I get to Andy's. I don't care. I don't care to wait because you're going to, because you know that's, that's, that's just part of the fun, part of the experience, you know? And so we have some things that we have no problem to wait in. A line to get in a ball game, hey, that's, that's part, we get there early so we can get in line, so we can wait at the ball game. We, we get, at a ball game, you have line in and then you have a line to get out. And it's, that's just part of the fun, you know? I went to one NFL game at Kansas City. You got on a line in the, of cars to get in, a line of people to get in, a line to get in once you got in, a line to get out, a line of cars to get out. And it was just all some of the blessed experience, you know? And everybody thought, oh, I just love going to those games. Okay. I mean, that's part of it. And so some things we wait. That's no problem. But we sure don't want to wait on God. No way am I going to wait on God. I want instant relationship with God. I want instant prayer. I want instant, I want immediate relationship with God. We want church in and out by noon, okay? We got 26 minutes, and you guys are all just like, okay, go, you know? All right, you know, as soon as people come in the door, we grab their hand. We're so glad you're here. We don't have waiting in church. Where do you, you want to go to Sunday school? Well, let's go. And so we take them off and we whisk them into class and we get their kids in class. As soon as they get into class, their kids have got activities to do and they're, they're going and going and going. As soon as you get into Sunday school class, there's somebody talking. They're talking and teaching. And as soon as that's over, okay, we got five minutes to get from here to church. No waiting. Anybody wait to get in? Nobody waited to get in. Everybody got seated immediately. We have immediate seating here at the church. We don't put a sign out there. Immediate seating at the Church of the Nazarene right now. You know, there's no waiting. 
meeting and we don't do any pausing or anything like that. We come in and we start singing immediately. We have human videos while you're waiting. That's how good, I mean, there's no wait. It's just immediate. And we start singing and then we stop and we take an offering. But while you're taking an offering, we have a song so that you're not waiting while we're taking the offering. And everything is like this. And at noon, we all leave. Church immediately without waiting. That's how we do it. That's what we do. There's no waiting here. But what if church was like Cheddar's? Has anybody ever been to Cheddar's? Tell me somebody, that's a good place to eat. I don't care to wait at Cheddar's. But what if church was like Cheddar's? What if out of the front door, people came in and we said, we're sorry, we're full today. But we're going to have some openings here in just a minute. I'm just going to give you a buzzer. And, you're, and when we buzz you, we'll have a seat ready. We have some front row seats right now ready. No, I'll wait for a back row. I'll just wait. I'll just wait. You know, you ever, people try to set you somewhere you don't want to sit. We got a nice table. I don't want to sit there. I want a booth. I'll wait. What if we told people that? People would be like, well, I ain't going here. We don't want to wait on God. We don't want to wait on God. Do you understand how that sounds? I don't want to wait on God. Wouldn't it be great if we had so many people that we had to wait, but then people wouldn't wait. What if God was like deer hunting? What if you came to church and they said, well, all we have for seating today is a scrawny little tree with a scraggly, sketchy deer stand in it. But you've got to sit there and it's, we're not even sure God's going to come by today. And you'll probably sit there three or four hours and it's kind of cold and rainy, but you could, that's all the seating we have today. Oh, yeah, I'll sit there. That'd be great. I'll wait there. You may not even see him. Or what if God was like fishing? It's really hot today in church. We don't have any air conditioning. It's really hot out there. Probably not even going to see him today. Probably waste the whole day. Well, you know what? That's just part of the fun. I mean, that's what I say when I go fishing all day. I'll go fishing all day long in the 100-degree weather, and it'll be hot. And I'll say, somebody go, well, did you catch anything? No. But it's sure better than working, ain't it? You know, that's when we make up excuses and say, well, that's just part of the experience. But we don't do that with God. We got to get in and out, and we don't want no waiting on God. But what if that's the way it was? Would you wait on God? We don't like to wait on God, but we need to. What if God was like that? And we say, we don't mind waiting for, and the truth is we don't mind waiting for what we want to work, what we want to wait on. Yeah, I don't mind waiting on the fishing boat. I don't care. It is part of the experience. And there's lots of us, we'll go sit in a deer stand all day long in a freezing cold. That's just part of the fun. But we wouldn't wait on God like that. Do you understand that? And if we say it out loud, it even sounds worse. The question is, do we want God as much? Do we want God as much as we want other things? And the disciples here were told to wait. And it was 10 days from the ascension to the time that the Holy Spirit came. And so you have 10 days in there, and there was about, and when it all shook out, there's about 120 of them made it. I think there was probably more to start with. But what happens is when we start waiting, what happens? Somebody gets impatient. I'm going to quit. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to play anymore. So I think there was probably more than 120 that started because this is a 10-day wait. A 10-day wait. 
But they said, oh, I'm going to get what God wants for me. And I don't care if it takes 10 days or 10 years. I'm going to sit in this room till I receive what God has for me. And he told them to wait. Or, and what usually happens is if you start waiting and you have a group of people, somebody will say, well, I'm tired of waiting. Let's do something. We need to do something. We can't just wait on God. We need to do something. We've got to be doing something. I, I don't have, and what it, all comes down time, what it all comes down to is people say, I don't have time to wait on God. You ever said that? Oh, we would never say that. We think it. But if you say it out loud, I was writing it in my sermon, and I wrote, I don't have time to wait on God. And I was just like, Ugh. Because sometimes... I'll just be honest with you. That's the way I feel. I don't have time to wait on God. I, God, I need you now. I need you to do something now. I don't, want, I, I don't have time to wait on God. How do you think that make God, makes God feel? Because he knows I've got time to wait out on that fishing boat for fish. And he knows that I've got time to wait on my wife for things. She ain't here, so I can say whatever I want to. You're not recording this, are you? somebody some of her friends will go say something to her and then i'll have to pay for it all afternoon but anyway we got time to wait we wait we don't care to wait for the things we want to but we don't have time to wait on god and we don't like to we don't we don't like to think that but the truth is sometimes that's the way we live we don't have time to wait on god we don't like to say it but that's the way we live sometimes it's the way we live all the time and Jesus told this group, and I think this is interesting because I had never picked this up before. He's told this group to wait together. And he didn't tell them how long it was going to be. He didn't give them a buzzer or anything like that. But it took 10 days of this group, excuse me, of this group waiting together and then the Holy Spirit came and they had revival like we've never seen before ever or since then. And I can't figure out why God says to told them to wait together. And I don't understand it, but I do know that he told them to wait together. And the truth is, we as the church, we don't wait together we don't have a time during church where we say, hey, we're just going to stop right now and we're just going to wait. If I told you that right now, you guys would go, huh? Uh, what? And we're just going to wait. We've got about 18 minutes. Let's just wait. If I went back there and sat down, <laughs> I could see Mike Dale back there going, <laughs> It get it get everybody get really uncomfortable. Just me talking about it. I can see you. You're going. I mean, what what would we what would we do? We just we just wait. Uh, there's no waiting in church. We don't wait. We don't wait together as people. We don't come together and wait on the Lord. And I got to tell you, as we was, I was reading this, I. Uh, I thought, Lord, there must be something too. There must be something important about the church waiting together. 
I don't know why. God does some funny things. He tells us to come and put oil on people's heads and lay our hands on them and pray a prayer of faith for healing. Well, now that shouldn't work at all. How is that going to work? Go to any doctor and say, okay, I know what we could do here. Let's put a little drop of oil on their head and lay hands on them and pray, and that'll heal them. And they'll go, hmm, I don't know. But you ask Buck, and he had cancer, and then it's gone. And we have several things like that have happened. Well, God asks us to do some things, and sometimes they don't make any sense, but he asks us out of faith to do those things. And he asked the church at that time, those group of believers, I want you to come together as a group, and I just want you to wait on me. And when they did, God moved in a powerful way. And so I started looking for other scripture that, I, that, that had waiting in there. And if you go to Psalms 40, verse 1, it talks about in the Amplified Bible, this is David writing. And he says, I waited patiently. This is the Amplified Version. I waited patiently and expectantly for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. There was three things, you know, you think waiting, so I guess waiting is just sitting there. Now, there's some things you do while you're waiting. There's three things he did. The first thing he did was wait patiently. How long is patiently? Does anybody know how long it takes to be patiently? For a kid, it's about 30 seconds. For us, it's about 30 minutes. But for God, apparently he has no, I'm I'm just going to tell you, God has no timeline. He, I mean, he, time means nothing to him, and he shows us that all the time. But he says, I waited patiently. So God calls us to wait patiently, not on our timetable, but on his. And so David says, I waited patiently. Here's the deal. We can wait and not be patient. We can wait on God and not be patient at all. We can just be fidgety. Well, I wish you'd hurry up and do something. Come on, come on, come on. You know, you ever have your kids do that? Let's just wait here for a second. Okay. You know, and they're, just, they're not waiting patiently. They're, they're waiting, but they're not waiting patiently. David said, I waited patiently. David wasn't sitting there going, or I guess he didn't have a watch, so he's looking at the sun or whatever. I don't know what he had, but anyway, he was like, he said, I waited patiently. I didn't have a timetable in my mind. I didn't have a, God, you got to work by here. Or I'm just not going to serve you anymore. He just said, God, whatever you want. And then he said, he waited expectantly. He was expecting God to do something. He didn't know when, he didn't know how, but he said, I am expecting God to do something. I think lots of times we come to God and we have no expectation that he's going to do anything. I hope that God does something, but you know, I'm really not expecting anything. God calls his people. These disciples were expecting something. They were expecting God to move. They, were expect, they didn't know what it looked like. They had no idea. If you'd have told them 10 days earlier, it's going to be vast revival. 3,000 people are going to get saved, and it's going to be awesome. And you guys are going to be speaking in tongues that you've never spoken before, in a language that you've never spoke before. And they would have went, yeah, all right. But that's what happened. And they didn't know what it looked like. But they were expecting something, and they were patient. It was 10 days with at least 120 people. If I got together and said, okay, I need 120 people, and we're going to wait together 10 days, 
Anybody want to sign up for that one? And that's what they did. What would happen if we got 120 people together for 10 days? Hmm. I mean, there'd be some short tempers, and you got to really, you get to really know people. You spend 10 days with them. Go on a mission trip. Go on a mission trip with somebody for about 12 days, and about nine days into it, something happens, and somebody usually gets mad at each other. We had a wonderful trip in Africa, and I don't know how it happened, but everybody, nobody did that. But when we went, I went on a mission trip with Landon and his senior class. The last four days, I was like, somebody's going to kill somebody. It was just, the, the, all of a sudden, these girls just went, and there's a rare, and it was just... And it was just like, we can't get home quick enough. Something happened. Then they had all the fun they could have, and the fun was over. And so that's what, but these guys were together for 10 days, and God calls us to wait. Well, when nothing's happening, it's hard to wait, isn't it? It's hard to wait patiently and expectantly, especially if nothing's happening. And what usually happens is, well, God didn't do something. Let's, let's go do something else. Let's go try to do something else. And so, he's, and so he's waiting patiently, expectingly. And the next thing he's doing, he said, he heard my cry. So while he's waiting patiently and while he's waiting expectantly, he's crying out to God also. So waiting is not just waiting. It's just, you know. While he was waiting, he was like, God, this is what's going on in my life. This is what's happening in my life. And I can't change anything. God just, just, that, that scripture she read this morning, he pulled me out of a hole. A slimy hole is what it says. A slimy pit. A miry pit is what one translation says. David is in a hole in his life. He is in a bad, dark spot. And he said, you pulled me. He said, I'm expecting you. I am waiting for you. I am here and I am crying out to you out of this hole and I'm going to wait here till you pull me out. And so we're supposed to be crying out. What's a cry? A cry is when do we start crying? When we give up. When we get to the place where we give up and we're just like, okay, I'm done. God, you do it. And so David, this waiting is not always fun. Waiting gets us to the place where we get down to the cries of our heart and we say, God, we just want you to move here however you want to do it. He was waiting expectantly. He was waiting patiently and he was crying out to God. And then it says, if you go on to verses two through four, he says, God pulled me then out of this horrible place. And so he said, after I waited patiently and expectantly, and after I was crying out to God, God pulled me out. And not only did he pull me out, but he said he put a song in my heart and he said that other people saw what was going on with me and came to know Christ through this. If you go to Isaiah 40, 30 and 31, it says, even the youth grow tired, but those who wait for the Lord, and it goes on and says, who expect, look for, and hope in him. So waiting is this expecting and hoping. He says, those who wait, who expect, who hope in the Lord shall change and renew their strength. Anybody need some more strength? Anybody get wore out and tired? In this world we live in, we just run ourselves down. And the word says that if we will take time 
and wait on God that he changes that in us, that he gives us new strength. He says that we'll run and not fall, we'll not be weary, we'll walk and not faint. Don't you want to be that guy? Don't you want to be the guy that is is going and has the strength of the Lord inside them and working in them? And he says that if we wait on God, this isn't, this is just waiting, just saying, God, whatever you want, whatever you want. And then all of a sudden, God gives us these things. And we want those things, but we think we have to do stuff to get it. And he says, no, you don't. He said, get together as a church and wait on me. And then I will do these things. I'll renew your strength. I'll get you closer. He says, I'll get you closer to God when we wait and pray expectantly. If you wait, you'll get stronger. You get closer to God. You get joy. God pulls folks out of the pit. Revival happens. But Jesus says, and through the Old Testament we hear the same thing, this happens when we wait. The greatest thing that God ever did, I believe, was the birth of the church. And it followed corporate waiting. It followed the group of people patiently expecting God to respond to their cries. I've been praying about this since Wednesday. And I'm just going to tell you, we as a church are going to do some corporate waiting together. And uh, we are going to set aside Wednesday evenings for corporate waiting. And this is not a program. It's just setting aside one hour a week to patiently, expectantly wait on God to move. And I'm not asking our small groups to come in here. I would like for you to do maybe some waiting as a small group. Set aside some time of your small group time to to just wait on God. But on Wednesday nights, we're going to come together and we're going to have some time of just waiting to hear God. We're going to have times of crying out to God. And uh, we're going to pray for specific needs. We're going to pray for family. We're going to pray for people. We're going to pray for problems, our nation and the world. Uh, We're going to do some crying out to God. And uh, we're going to realize that we're going to, I've been realizing that God is the one that changes hearts. God is the one who draws people. And uh, we're going to wait and see what he has to say to us. And the word says that when God's people got together and waited together, that revival came. That a movement of God came that has not stopped yet. And uh, we see here in the word that God calls us to corporate waiting. It was something he asked us to do. And... uh, I'm just going to tell you, we're going to, I mean, uh, when I talked about it on Wednesday night, I I said, how many of you would be really interested in coming and waiting on Wednesday night? And nobody went, me, 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 I would like to, everybody was kind of like, hmm, hmm. And I'm going to tell you, 
for me, the idea of coming and just waiting does it just is so different than what we normally do. But it also excites me to think that we as a church are going to set aside one hour a week just to wait and see what God would want us to do. Just waiting together to see what God would want to do in our families, in our church, in the realm of influence that we have. And uh, you say, what does this look like? I don't, I don't know exactly. But I know in God's word, he says right here, he says, before this happens, you're going to have to get together and wait. And I believe that God has called us. I was I, on Wednesday night as I was teaching this lesson, the Holy Spirit came on me and said, do you think that's just something I asked those guys to do? He goes, we're called to wait, Brian. And so we're going to do this. And I want to ask you the question. Are you too busy to wait on God? What do you have that is so important that you can't wait on God? And I'm not saying that it's going to be fun or anything like that. But I do believe it's what God has called us to. And I want to invite you. we're not going to start this Wednesday night because the Isaacs are going to be here. But the next Wednesday night, and we're going to do it for a while. I hope it's something that we do forever. I'm praying that God just comes and so moves on our Wednesday night service that it's something that just, something we look forward to just that time where we come and just say, hey God, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? I had a couple people who was like, Pastor, I think this is exactly what we need to do. And I want to, I want to thank you for the encouragement on that. But church, God calls us to corporate waiting. And uh, I want to invite you to be part of that. And I don't want you to say, I'm too busy to wait on God. God may be wanting to do something amazing in your life, in your family's life, in the, in the people that you're around. But he's saying, if you just wait on me, I, I, could, I could do that in your life. Anyway, I'm praying that the, that the Lord will, will come and speak and that I, I'm, I'm satisfied that we're going to see great things come out of this. I know this is kind of a, a different sermon and, and this, is just, this is to the church this morning, but I want you to come and I want us to wait together corporately. And uh, the next Wednesday night, we're going to come together and wait and wait on God because we know from his word that when that happens, he does great things. I want us to stand. I'm going to dismiss you in prayer. Then we're going to read the prayer of Jabez together, and then you'll be dismissed. Father, we don't like to wait. But we wait for the things that we want. There's lots of things in life that we wait for, and it doesn't bother us at all. And Father, I pray today would so place within us a hunger for the things that you want that we would look forward to an hour a week waiting on what you want to do.